0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the podcast. Before we get into today's episode, a couple of quick housekeeping things. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I hope you're here for a very long time and many more episodes. And if you don't do so already, please follow me on Instagram at Felix.Levine. I just recently started putting a lot more effort and time into my TikTok channel. So go check that out at Felix Levine on TikTok. If you're listening to this, make sure you subscribe as per usual. You can also watch the full version of this episode on YouTube by searching my name, Felix Levine, on YouTube and subscribing to my channel over there. So I think that's it for housekeeping today. So let's get into my episode. And my guest today, she's an entrepreneur and she is one of my favorite content creators when it comes to everything that has to do with dating. Please welcome Sabrina Zohar. and we're live. Woo! So, Sabrina, thank you. So first of all, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for working through scheduling. Thank you for working through these uh, nine minutes of technical difficulties. I uh, I appreciate you being a trooper.
1: No, thank you so much for having me. I totally trust me technology and I am Mr. Magoo when it comes to it. So I get it.
0: <laughs> this was this is actually my first ever zoom episode in the studio. So and 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 I gotta tell you, the threshold for me to have somebody in a Zoom episode means I actually really really want th- to have them on. So uh, I was very excited that we we made this happen.
1: Sweet man, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, if I were in New York, you know, I'd be sitting right next to you. But I made the silly decision to move to
0: California. <laughs> Why well, I, I told you that too. I said when are you when are you coming? And you're like uh, probably not anytime soon. So I'm like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. Um, but if anything, that just means that there has to be a sequel later on. Um, yeah. I told you, I told you a few seconds ago, is there a little tidbit, little story, little something the world doesn't know about you from, from what's already out there?
1: Yeah. So I think very few people probably know this about me. Um, I actually like moved to New York when I was 18 to be an actor. And I thought that that was going to be my future. I went to acting school for two years. I actually am like a very proud college dropout. I dropped out to like seven different schools. I just kept going back and kept going back. And I was like, this just isn't for me. And I think I enjoyed the I enjoyed the entertainment industry and like being in front of people, but I didn't necessarily need to do it as an actor. And so that is when I like, tw- I was about 24 and my dad had to sit down with me and was like, yo, are you going to get your life together? Like, what are you doing here? You're floating. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I need to do something with my life. And that's when I went to business school, started my clothing company, but it's like a past life that most people have no idea anything about.
0: So you went, so you were in and out. of. Was it, is it actually seven schools? Oh were- yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I, uh, two in Florida, I dropped out. Then I moved to New York. I went to Marymount Manhattan for a day. I went to Lee Strasberg, Stella Adler, uh, no, Maggie, Maggie Flanagan. I went for a day. Yeah, I went to all the classes, and I was like, nope, not for me. Like that was. It. I went home, and I called my mom, and I was like, I have so much homework. I was eighteen. I had ju- or nineteen. I just moved to New York, and I'm like, I don't want to fucking do this.
0: Wow, that's uh, you didn't think that after like the third or fourth school that maybe the school in general was. I think
1: coming from like, I think, you know, immigrant parents that like really put importance on school. And even ironically, though, my dad didn't even go to college. My mom got her master's and 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 then ironically, she's the one that didn't end up working. So it's always been like the running joke. But I think for me, I looked at school as like, it was a purpose. It was something for me to do. It was, that's the next step you take when you leave high school, right? Versus now in my, you know, many years later and understanding now, I've come to the realization of like, no, not everybody is designed to sit in a classroom and learn that way. Other people have so many talents and skills that they could utilize and learn in the, you know, in the real world, living in New York for 12 years versus sitting in a classroom. So it just took me, you know, seven schools to figure that out.
0: Hey you know you be but now you're doing well and so I guess it took seven seven schools to figure it out
1: Totally. And I'm, I'm super grateful for every experience yeah. because by doing acting school taught me how to be an improv and how to be in front of the camera and how to have different intonations when you're speaking. And now, you know, doing what I do, I can just seamlessly turn it on. And I'm super grateful for those experiences because I don't look at anything that's happened in my past as like, why did it happen to me? I look at it as like, why did it happen for me? And so I try to learn and grow from every experience, which includes like dropping out of school over and over and over again to then find my passion and purpose and be able to now navigate that for a future.
0: Well, I think also, you know, even it, it makes sense that that you went to uh, that acting and everything, I guess, in front of the camera was one of your passions, just because I think that's one of the really the ways that I found your content um, and not just found it, but also found it engaging uh, was because I think that you are extremely obviously articulate, but like the I guess the intonations and the the way that you speak and um, and verbalize, I think is very uh you know, makes draws people into wanting to listen and 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 consume the content
1: thank you yeah I, I appreciate that it's like it's not just because I've seen creators that are so their messaging is beautiful you're like man I love what you're saying but fuck, you're boring mm-hmm. you know it's like they're it's like talking to a brick wall versus or there's some people that are super personable and we've seen those content creators that blow up and then you listen to what they're saying and you're like what is this? There's no substance to it. So I tried to find a balance. And listen, what I've also learned in this world is like, there's going to be a lot of people that don't like you. There's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of people that don't like how you talk. There's so many people. I hate how fast you speak. Ew, you sound trashy. You're cursing, and it's like, egg, eh, fuck off.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I don't censor myself. I don't change the way I am for anybody. So it's like, if you like it, great. And if you don't, go find somebody else.
0: I, I can tell you lived in New York with because uh, uh, the <laughs> the heavy use of the word fuck. It's probably top one favorite words of mine. So we can relate on that. Um, Um, so I guess like, did you ever think that when you were younger, this would be, I guess, where you're at today and now?
1: Never, never. Okay. So when I was younger, it's really interesting. Me, I have two siblings. I have an older brother and older sister than me. All of us. It's not a surprise. Like my brother, he's a filmmaker since he was a kid film, like his, everything has revolved around film, his entire life post-film, it wasn't a surprise. My sister was more the tomboy. She has a spin studio. She's really into fitness. It's like, that wasn't a shock. For me, I was a model growing up. So I was super thin and tall when I was a kid and I had like a different look. Then I hit puberty, became a woman. And all of a sudden it was like, eh, okay, you're, you They, I think they use the quote, um, I have childbearing hips. So self-esteem was something I struggled with for a long time and trying to fit in, especially with like the Victoria's Secret models and like that generation that my, that girls my age kind of grew up in, it was really hard for me to find a place of where I belonged because I knew I didn't look like that. And I knew I never could unless I removed a rib, which, you know, at the time wasn't an option. And so I had to kind of For me, it was a lot of floating, a lot of flailing, which is why I think when I was in high school and I started doing musical theater, I was like, oh, okay, I enjoy this aspect. If you told me then that years later I would have a clothing company and I would be doing dating coaching and having a podcast and doing all of this, I would have told you you're fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those like I don't – what I've learned while kind of this whole journey is like not attaching to the outcome of anything because – six months ago, truthfully, between me and you, my life, I felt like it had ended. Like my dog of 10 years passed away. And I thought like, that's it. I'm fucked. I'm at rock bottom. I didn't have like my clothing company was, you know, in a tough space because of economically what was going on. And now six months later to have a completely different life and everything mushrooming and growing in a different way is a true testament to like not attached to one thing and self-identified to one thing of maybe that you were doing since you were a kid or all of your life, but at any point you can have a change and a growth and so much beauty can come from That And being okay with like, it's not a failure just because when I was little, I didn't necessarily think I'd be here, but it's really an opportunity for me to explore different avenues of like, what are gifts that I have that I didn't even realize.
0: And so the dating coaching is something that's completely recent.
1: Pretty. So the the coaching kind of started about a year ago unofficially. So I, because I have a clothing company called software, mm-hmm. I you know was doing tons of stuff around that. And I would always do panels and podcasts and interviews. And so many people, I remember George Foreman three is a friend of mine and I was at his gym and we were just talking and he looks at me and he's like, yo, dude, how do you not have a podcast? And I was like, nobody gives a fuck about what I have to say. That was my limiting beliefs and my core wounds that I was working through to think that who am I? So then when I started, I was just, coaching, you know, one, like one a week, two a week, it started to grow. And it was just people reaching out to me of like, Hey, I like what you have to say. I like your mindset. Can you help me with that? Then when I started on TikTok, that became such a exploded. And all of a sudden it became something to where then the coaching became more and more of demand to where now i I'm booked out almost consistently every week. And it's, it's, mushroomed in a place that I just didn't expect, but it's also not my future. Like I'm doing it now because I enjoy it, but it's not a business that I'm trying to grow out, but it's, that's the fun of all of this is like exploring new avenues and seeing what you like.
0: And why, why not grow it out?
1: My passions just don't lie there. I really enjoy, I love doing podcasts. I love speaking to people. And with coaching, it's a lot of listening and it's a lot of hearing other people and trying to help them through. And it's not that I'm not good at it. I'm very... It's something I love and I enjoy, but it's also not sustainable. Like there's one version, there's one person of me. So I can only reach so many people and it's like, and then you have to start hiring your prices to start compensating for the fact that you're just one person. And for me, it's just not really in alignment with where I see myself going in the future. It's something, like I said, I love to do right now, but I don't know that this is my calling forever. I think that there's other things I could do that will help more people and be beneficial while still continuing on with the same messaging.
0: So would you say that software is your principal passion?
1: Actually, no. I love software, don't get me wrong. But I started it after my mom got sick and I was kind of a different version of myself. And my sister was really involved with it and then she stopped being involved with it. And like, I love my company. I live and breathe and die that stuff. And like, I've been running it for now. It's our fifth year. But I've realized, I think with the podcast and with the dating stuff that I just really align with it more. And I think because it's me. Software is not necessarily me. I wouldn't, I don't think I would identify with the style as like something I would wear on a daily basis, even though I wear software all the fucking time because I love it. But just like I'm really loud and bright and I wear a lot of colors unless I'm in New York and I'm wearing all black, but I'm usually doing something fun and software is very minimalist. It's very simple. So I think now with the podcast and with the d- coaching, just everything with everything that I'm doing now feels like it's more in alignment with me where I can actually be my authentic self and share my messaging with people and not have to water it down or kind of be behind something. It's really just like dick on the table. This is who I am.
0: When did you know that, uh, you had a, I guess, a, an acute sense of being able to give dating advice or date or coaching. I don't know how you like to, what terminology you like I to think, use.
1: Eh, six of one. Um, It's funny because I don't know necessarily that there was ever like a light bulb that went off of like, oh, this is what I'm good at. It really was me start it was the tiktok like when i just kind of posted some videos and then it started to grow 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 and i remember my friend text me and she's like oh, you're growing 5 followers a day if you continue at this rate you'll get like a thousand by the end of you know whatever and i was like sweet and then now i'm at almost 400,000 in, t- in yeah. like 7 months and it's like it just mushroomed quickly and i think within that Gave me the confidence to be like, wait, I do have something to say, I can take my pain and turn it into purpose and passion. And I finally, I think, gave a voice to a lot of people that were similar to me that felt kind of trapped in my own internal hell where for so long, I was so anxious and so unaware and didn't understand all of these aspects to how I was coming off to people and how my anxiety was affecting every aspect of my life that now I'm, I'm finally able to like advocate for those people and be a voice of, it doesn't have to own you. You don't, it doesn't have to control you. And I think by doing that, I've also started to really understand the psychology of things. And I've been taking courses to understand, like, it's less about really why somebody's doing something but it's like where is this coming from what's the root how is this impacting you how is it coming off because I think if we continue to ask why questions we're in victim mode but if we go into what and how we're able to explore and become more observant so I think just being able to utilize all of these things I've really honed into like where I'm good what I'm good at and now I've been the coaching just started to take off to where it became a thing
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's what's interesting, too, is I'm just thinking about when I first started, I I think you probably came up on my for you page in some capacity. And, and usually, and maybe it's just my own personal biases. I've always been, uh, I don't know, I don't think I've just I don't think I've ever really consumed dating content in general. But with yours, I was very drawn to it. Perhaps it was also where I was at in my life on a on a dating level. And, you know, so maybe you're more you're more Uh, susceptible to wanting to listen to different points of view. But I think there was also the 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 advice in itself was very much or at least some of the clips that I had seen at first was very much rooted in um, what you're saying, like very relatable, very um, rational, I think. And, you know, and, and I think what's interesting, too, is you need. When you're in a point where you can't be rational about your own situation, it helps to view or listen to content about somebody who can objectively give you some rational advice, or if not advice, uh, rational points of view. And I wonder if that's like a a uh, you know a conscious choice that you make um, when you're when you're thinking about certain situations and some of the content that you put out put out around these topics.
1: Totally. And I think you make such a good point because it's like, it is very contingent upon like where you are in life and what messaging you're willing to hear, because I'll get people that will fucking argue with me and fight tooth and nail. We all know how the trolls are. They will fight tooth and nail to hold on to their narrative because it's like, Hey, you're just not at a place where you have the bandwidth to accept this. And that is okay. Don't worry. We'll be talking in six months when you start to have the, I see what she's saying. But I think for me, I was so tired of the black and white statements, everything Mm -hmm. of like, if you, if a guy likes you, he'll do this. And it's like, no, I think human beings are nuanced. We have a lot of layers to us. There's a lot more to us than just like, there's this one creator and it drives me insane because he, of course he gets millions of views and everything is, you'll know a guy likes you because he kisses you on the forehead. And it's like, the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is not real world applications. And I think for me, because I lived in New York for 12 years and I lived in LA for almost two years. Now I live in San Diego. I've dated in Miami. Like I've dated like a real adult and not like a lot of the Pollyanna people that are talking of like, maybe they've been married for 15 years and they're talking about, you know, don't kiss on a, within the first three months. And it's like, can we talk about reality for a second? And maybe that's the New Yorker and me, but when I'm think, when I'm creating content, there are certain pieces where it's like, no, I'm very adamant about like the texting and dating and certain components of like, no, I've thought about this. There has been a lot of psychological studies around this, but I also utilize like, what have I learned in therapy? What are actual applications that have helped? me get to where I am? Because there's a lot of people out there that are going to give you advice that they've never taken. And so talking to some people where it's like, it's like reading a textbook. Yeah, that sounds fine and dandy, but can you relate that into real life? And I think everybody, I think a lot of people are missing in their life that one person's going to call them out. You know, it's like a lot of people, we get so into our heads. And when you get out of your prefrontal cortex and you get into anxious brain and you start to ruminate, you start to create these narratives. It's really important to have somebody come and be like, hey, snap the fuck out of it. Come back here, look at me, and let's talk. Versus everybody that's just like, yeah, see, well, if he wanted to, he would. And it's like, that's not helping anybody. It's not giving real world applications. And it's also about, for me, it's not about how do you elicit a response from somebody else. Because if I see one more video of like, how to get a guy to do this, how to get a girl to do this, it's like, hey, how about we stop focusing so much on everybody else and maybe start focusing on ourselves? Because it's not just, can't find the right person. It's like, no, you just haven't become the right person.
0: I guess my, my, my other question in that is if you were to create a relationship from scratch, right. With two individuals, what would be the initial, um, I guess on both sides, the initial traits or foundations that you would like in an ideal, perfect sense of building a healthy relationship what would be those uh, traits or um, behaviors that uh, you would make sure are, are there um, to make sure that that relationship is starting on the, on the right path, right? Because I think that even going through this exercise for hopefully somebody listening uh, can, can put it into perspective for them in their own, in their own lives.
1: Totally. And I, I get that so often, like, what does a secure relationship even look like? And it's like, at the end of the day, it's a couple of things. One, it's making sure that both people are intentional about the way that they date, that there is a reason behind what they're doing. Because a lot of people, I think, entered the dating world of like, I'm dating to get married. And it's like, so you're outcome driven. Well, that's not intentionality behind it. You're just willing to take anything because you want a specific outcome. So what happens is you then project onto somebody and you want to create them into the version that they are because they're there. Scarcity mindset starts to play in. Like there's a whole slew of things. So I think if you're going to start off with a clean slate, like what does a secure relationship actually really look like? It's emotional availability. Are both of you doing work on yourself privately to be able to express your emotions clearly and concise? Are you able to sit in your emotions? Are you able to articulate that? Are you able to identify, is it a trigger? Like my friend, Masha, she's an amazing um, nervous system coach. And she always talks about like, is the trigger a real tiger? Is there actually a threat there that your nervous system is starting to get dysregulated? Or is this a stuffed animal that you are projecting all of your old bullshit of what you went through as a, and all the p- past people that you've dated. Now that's become this next person's problem. So I think off the bat, emotional availability, the number one thing to be really looking out for when you're dating, I kind of have a thing of like, what, how do I want to feel with somebody? Not how I want to feel about them. So I want, you need f- to feel seen, heard, and understood. You feel safe with somebody. There's reciprocity, there's consistency. And what that really means is like consistency. The person you go to bed to is the person you wake up to. That it's not one day they're really hot and cold and the next day they're not and then the next day they're this. It's like they show up the same way every day because somebody that's consistent is also in control of their own emotions, which is a fucking adult trait to have. So when shit hits the fan, they're not screaming at you. They're not popping off. They're not going super avoidant and removing themselves from it. They know how to sit in it and be able to handle their own shit so that it doesn't affect you. So those I think would be baseline on how to start a secure and healthy relationship.
0: I think the issue though is, is to like, what do you, when, when you have clients, I'm sure you probably have literally every day that ask you this is it's so hard when you, when, when emotions and feelings are involved for you to sometimes see through uh, those realities. Right. And I think uh, people struggle to listen to their gut at times, or sometimes their gut might fail them. How, how do you then, I don't want to say backtrack, but then uh, realigned to be able to, to do that.
1: So at the end of the day, like nobody is in your brain besides you. So it's like, if you don't have a self-awareness, which is the number one and most important aspect to cultivate, if you are not able to, at the very least be able to differentiate, okay, is it my gut reaction? Is this person actually being a fucking asshole to me? Or the day, the they just actually say something rude to me, which is a gut reaction is very calming. Think about it. Like, You know, fight or flight when you're going through, maybe not for you, but for women, it's like when I would walk in New York and you'd see like a group of, of sketchy dudes at the park, you're not sitting there with like a whole narrative that starts to play in your head. You look and the first thought you have is get the fuck out, like run. And that is your nervous system doing exactly what it's designed to do, which is keep you safe. So it alerts you, hey, this doesn't sound right. And you go versus the anxiety and the narrative is it's literally you create a story based around it and you start to feel it in your body. So what's really important is why do a lot of people not feel better? They intellectualize healing, but they don't feel it. So if you're not able to differentiate and discern between, wait a minute, I felt this before. I've been here before. So like you're dating somebody, they don't text you. That's the number one thing. I didn't get a text this morning. I didn't get my good morning text. It's like, okay, what does that mean? So what did you feel it in your body? So the trigger was, okay, I didn't get my text. How did that feel in your body? Well, my shoulders started to tense up. My heart started to race. My palms got sweaty. I started to think, okay, and cool. And then what was the narrative that started to play? That is really where you start to see. It's like, oh, well, he didn't text me. That means he must've met somebody else. Oh, that means he doesn't like me. He's not that into me. It's like, okay, cool. Where are the facts to back that up? Let's put those thoughts on trial. Where do you have facts to back that up? Well, I don't. He just didn't text me. Okay, well, do we have any contrary beliefs that we could do here? Yeah, I mean, I just saw him last night and we had a great time. Everything was great. And he said he loves to see me this weekend. Okay, cool. So then what this means to me is you've just created that narrative. Where did you learn that? Where did you learn that because somebody that you it usually then starts to stem into, well, I'm scared of being abandoned and I'm scared of being rejected. It's like, ah, there's that core wound. So if you can cultivate enough self-awareness, which takes practice, like I'm painfully self-aware to the point where I know I, I can feel dysregulation within seconds. I know how it affects my body and I can instantly just be like, wait a minute, I'm dysregulated, something's going off. And so if you can start to befriend your nervous system and really understand it's trying to keep you safe and instead of getting mad at it, start to look at again, the not the why, but the how and the what, then you can really start to piece together like, oh, I understand where this is coming from. And what you're also doing is you're training your nervous system to now feel safe in those kinds of circumstances so that you can be the adult and drive the car and not have that little wounded child be the one making all these decisions.
0: So would you say that like the true training is uh, the moments of self-awareness?
1: To me, what like doing the work actually is, like where does this happen? It's by being first off, it's the self-awareness second off like, okay, so it, it, it's a catch 22 here because it depends on who we're dealing with. If we're dealing with somebody who's super avoidant, let's say, and their number one thing is that when they're dysregulated, they remove themselves. So that's, they go, that's it. We've all been with those dudes or the girls that When things start to get serious or when you start to say, so, you know, where do you see this going or whatever the conversation is, they remove themselves and say, I can't do this. They're dysregulated versus somebody anxious who they need to co-regulate. They need somebody else to validate their experience. Otherwise, it's all hell in a handbasket. So if you're dealing with somebody avoidant, their most important step is the self-awareness around this and then to be able to say, what's scaring me here? Why do I feel that I'm going to lose my independence? Where is that stemming from? And for them, it's to learn how to co-regulate, to come closer with their partner and to be able to express themselves hey that was really triggering for me and this is why i know this has nothing to do with you i just wanted to share that and then for somebody anxious it's really important to be able to discern and differentiate again is this a narrative i'm creating i have to learn to self soothe i can't always depend on somebody else to validate my experience because if we give other people control of our emotions you are fucked because then they can control you
0: then and, and, and at what point cuz in, in in a way this is you know this is what doing Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what doing the work looks like, yeah. And how oh, yeah. would how do you, uh, know when is the right time to do the work? To do the like, there's the personal do the work, and then there's probably and then there's the relationship do the work. How how do you know when is the right time to do the relationship do the work together?
1: I th- what do you mean together? Like with your partner?
0: Yeah. As in, like, is there is there a moment that you? Not like it's like a particular moment. It obviously is going to be different for every relationship, but there comes a time where if you want to make something functional and and I guess long-term and rooted in strong foundations that you and your partner are going to have to do the work together, I think sometimes the hard part is to gauge when is the right time that you feel like you can do that work together as opposed to, and, and I guess are serious enough to do that work together. How do you suggest identifying that moment? If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So I think there's, it's about safety. It's about feeling safe with your partner that when you express. So that's why I love Matthew Hussey always says test and then invest. It's like, so if you're dating somebody in the first or second, third, fourth, like that early stages of dating, you don't need to fucking talk about your childhood traumas and all the shit that you're experiencing and all of that. But you can even start with something minute of like, Hey, can I share something with you? Like, that's a really great way to start a conversation and, and have open communication. Yeah. What's up? I got to be honest, you know, let's say it's something as simple as like they canceled a plan and you saw on Instagram. I don't know. I'm just kind of pulling something out of my ass where it's like, can I share something with you? I got to be honest. You know, when when we had our date planned, I was super excited. And then when I saw you do that, it made me feel like very insignificant. And then I wasn't a priority to you. And I was under the impression that we were dating and that this was something that mattered to you. And I would be self-abandoning if I didn't express that to you that how this is affecting me. You And then by that, you gauge and see how that person reacts. If it's, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You're so right. That was really insensitive to me. I sincerely apologize. I need to do better. That just created so much more intimacy and connection between you two. Then as the relationship evolves and develops, you can then start to share more and more and more. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you're not doing the work together. You're both doing your own private personal development, right. and you're coming together and sharing and creating a connection and a relationship with that. But that shouldn't involve doing the work necessarily together. That's just communication, I would say.
0: Do you feel like, and maybe this is more relevant for me, because I think in in recent times, this has been uh, something at the forefront of, of my mind and my experiences, is this idea of going slow versus fast. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, people and i don't know why it's also just been popping up my on my tiktok feed as well mm-hmm. um cuz tiktok knows everything at all times obviously um it does, yeah. but mm-hmm. what what is your gauge of uh what too fast can look like if there's such thing or too slow can look like um and trying mm-hmm. to find that happy medium where sometimes something might just feel right um but also if you want it to work uh you know finding ways to make sure that it's it's an, at an appropriate pace. I guess just the entire gauge around this idea of, of putting time or a metric to uh, the earlier part of a relationship.
1: Yeah, because it, it's such a great question because it's such an important component of a relationship. And so there is absolutely too slow or too fast. And I don't have like rules. It's not like, okay, if you don't see each other twice a week, every week, then it's fucked. It's like, I, we're humans. We have schedules. But I think there's an element of consistency. So when it comes to what is, for me, what does going slow mean? It doesn't just mean that you don't see each other. Going slow doesn't mean we text once every two weeks and I never see this person. It's like, no, that's just casual. That's that person keeping you as an option, not the choice. Going slow is I don't want to expedite the stages of a relationship before I actually fucking know this person. Mm -hmm. So like my boyfriend and I, for instance, we're going slow in the sense where we've been together six months. We're just now talking about moving in together at the end of the year. Of like, okay, hey, what's the next step of our relationship? We don't talk about marriage and where do we want... Sometimes we'll mention little things of like... Oh yeah, would you want that? Oh yeah, me too. But we're not trying to expedite the stages of a relationship because both of us are very intentional. We want to make sure that this is the right partner that we end up with and that we really get to know each other in a tons of different circumstances. Whereas when you're moving too fast, more often than not, you're chasing a feeling. You just want to feel you're not going to be abandoned. You're not going to be left. You're not going to be rejected. So it's great. Let me dive right on in. and That's where people will like do It's a lot of love bombing too, where it's like you'll text all the time and you'll spend all this time together And then what happens is then the check that you wrote has to be cashed. And all of a sudden after maybe a month or a few weeks of this, where it's like, we were texting every single day. I saw them six times that week. It's like, yeah. And then the element of reality hit where the person's like, wait, now I'm actually getting to know this person. And it's, by trying to you create a false sense of intimacy because you instead of trying to expedite and just fit as much as you can in the early stages it's like maybe pace yourself actually get to know this person and f- identify how do you feel with them and not how you feel about them so that you can genuinely see how are they around friends and family how are they when they get somebody says no how are they when you set boundaries you miss all that when you go really fast
0: and i mean do you believe like are there are there ways also though, that, uh, or what would be identifiers of something that moves, say on the spectrum of slow to fast, a little bit faster, but healthier? What does that in term, in manifestation and in practice look like? Because there's some people, you know, like, I do believe that there are people that, that, that click, I don't, you know, like to certain, to certain degrees, right? You, somebody that you might get along with and you just naturally find yourself speaking to each other every day or, or texting frequently. And instead of like, and I agree that love bombing, you know, it, there's ways of talking to somebody every day without telling them like, I want to, you know, be with you and get married, et cetera, yada, yada. But I think that there's also ways where people uh, click and and move perhaps a little bit faster in that sense. And I wonder if you think that there, there are ways um, or in practice uh, moments that it, it can be That that there's a healthy way to to move.
1: I mean, I think if you're spending, if you're seeing each other like two times a week, maybe three times, depending on the scheduling, fine, cool. You're consistent. You're like my boyfriend and I. We saw each other twice a week every week. That was it. It was like once during the week and then on the weekend. And then I started sleeping over it. Like it started to evolve and develop, but we still weren't doing the texting every day more so because like that just wasn't his thing. He's like, I don't connect that way. I work in tech. I don't want to be on my fucking phone. The issue that comes into play, it's not the act of texting that is the, oh, that's the problem. What happens is one, it's that people automatically assume, well, we were texting every day as if that's a commitment, as if that person owes you anything. So if you want to text somebody every day, there is also an element of, yeah, but this person doesn't owe me anything. This doesn't mean we're in a relationship. This doesn't mean that this has right. to work out, and this doesn't mean that this is now my person because we're texting every day. And I think so many people then you start getting into the well, but he didn't text me every morning like he always. As they start hyper focusing on the behavior, well, but he stopped texting me now. He, I didn't get my good morning this morning. I knew something was up. Then the narrative starts to play in. Versus if it starts like my mom always says, if you start at hundred, where else are you going to go? Mm-hmm. So if you come out the gate where you're seeing, it, you're texting morning and night and you get your good morning and you get your good night. It's like, there's no progression. You're not building. That person again is chasing a feeling. They just want to feel that they're not going to be abandoned or rejected versus if it's just a like, Hey, I hope you had a great day. Just finished work. Super excited to see you this weekend. Like talk soon. And then you're having that and like, it develops. And then it's like, Hey, how's your day going? Good. Thanks. How are you? You are an adult to know we're just maintaining communication in between dates. It's not that this is my person. This is my ride or die. It doesn't mean anything. And I think that's the caveat here is that texting doesn't mean that that person wants a relationship relationship with you. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm sure you have had it where you could text a girl every single day for a month and then realize I don't, I'm don't, i not that into her. So that is where I think being an adult and being able to differentiate between, okay, cool. We're just, this is a nice, healthy amount of banter. We're having a good little conversation. We're connecting, but I'm not attaching to the outcome. I know that this person, it might not work and that's okay. I'm an adult about this versus I'm going to get hyper fixated and focused on this person. And if it doesn't work, your entire fucking world crumbles because you were texting every single day.
0: Right, I think. I mean, it, it's so funny too because texting is such a. It's become at the forefront of dating, you know, in that sense, and yeah. and, and, and everybody's, I guess, hyper fixated on it. Um, what are some of the the other, I guess, tangible practices that that you look for? Um, and this is perhaps even with your when you're when you're dealing with clients to understand or to perhaps identify uh, someone's true intentions.
1: So I don't like to play detective. It's like, I will talk to, to, to me. What's really important on the first date is like, hey, what are your intentions with dating? Why are we here? And it's really important to have those conversations. And it's like, and for the people that are like, <gasps> I would never, it's like, so then what's, what, makes, what makes you so uncomfortable about that? Where is the discomfort coming up? Because that, right. that shows a, an element of emotional unavailability is why is that so uncomfortable for you? Let's explore that. So off the bat, it's talking about, hey, what are your intentions? And then it's seeing, do the actions on the words align? It's not about the fact that a guy texts you every single day, but it's like, but how else is he showing up? Is he making plans with you consistently? is he is he super excited is he sharing his excitement is he open and upfront about that
0: and now we're just going to take a quick break to talk about my longtime sponsor in US wellness meets they just recently revamped their website so everything that i'm about to tell you can be found at their all new and improved uswellnessmeets.com website at uswellnessmeats.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass-fed and grass finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com, where the owners are the actual farmers themselves, and now they've introduced a subscription I think too, the issue with, uh, you know, I'd say anybody between the ages these days of 15 and 45, it seems that maybe, I don't know, I can't speak on the, the, I can't speak on that experience, but is that there's a, there's an element of like gamesmanship um, and that personally, I absolutely hate of you know oh I gotta take X amount of time to answer this or Y amount of time yeah. to do that you know or you know you can't do this after two dates or that after four dates like whatever it is and 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 the, the chase do you think yeah. that like how do we eliminate how do we eliminate this because I think not that it's it's your you or I's job to eliminate it um, but like you know I have so many of my friends too that when they when they talk to me and and ask me for advice which I'm always honored is like, how do we eliminate the gamesmanship in uh, relationships, period?
1: So let's break it down because I think that's such a great question. Let's break down really the psychology behind the games. Off the bat, if you are so hyper-focused on those little nuances, there's an insecurity that's showing. That's showing that you don't trust yourself, that you don't trust yourself that no matter what you're going to be okay so that you have to play a game in order to keep somebody interested now when it comes to the chase let's think about it the person that's chasing they get their validation by them continuing to try 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 and that is how that they feel good so that when they finally get that ah there's my validation notice a lot of the times the chase when does that lead to a healthy
0: relationship
1: when does that actually lead to something secure
0: sabrina you and i like i agree
1: doesn't. Exactly. So it's like for anybody that's sad, I'm like, okay, cool. So if you're so scared of, oh, if I don't do this, then he's not going to be interested. And da, 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 it's like, oh, I'm sorry. What's for you? Won't pass you. Then that's not your person. If you are so terribly concerned with that, then that's not your person and the person that wants to be chased again that is you're getting gaining your validation because somebody is working towards you so you feel like you are worthy because someone has to work extra hard for you and the problem is that eventually that will collide eventually the chaser and the chasee will finally meet because you can't just pretend this for the rest of your life and that's usually why the person just gets turned off when the have you ever heard oh well when I finally gave in to him he wasn't interested because he was chasing a feeling he was never chasing you Mm. He doesn't actually fucking know you. He was never trying to get to know you. That person was just chasing how you made them feel.
0: Okay, so then how how for somebody how do you identify if if that's the situation you find yourself in?
1: Would you like as in like
0: as in how how can you identify if someone is there just to to chase that feeling as opposed to you? Because I think a lot of people struggle. Well, I mean,
1: it's. I think it's about how are you acting as well? How are you showing up? So if you're not being emotionally available and you're not sharing with this person anything about how you're feeling, you can almost bet your bottom dollar, it's like they're probably equally as emotionally unavailable because they're not saying anything. So if you're going to both meet at the table and both play these games, You're going to just keep bringing more people in that want to play versus if you show up on a date and you're like, I'm not doing this bullshit. If you text me, I'm going to text you back. If I have something to say, I'm going to fucking say it. I'm intentional with the way I date. I'm not scared to ask you questions like how'd your last relationship end and what did it teach you about yourself? Mm -hmm. What's a project that you're super passionate that you're working on about that you're excited about? things like that. What's something that you used to hate to you that you used to accept in relationships that you no longer accept? Those are questions that somebody emotionally available is going to be like, whoa, that's hot. You're super aware. Like, right. this is a great conversation versus a guy that's like, oh, uh, uh, uh.
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that I agree with a million percent. And quite frankly, I think like, you know, that's what that's just not even just dating. I think that's just how relationships point blank period are or create like real ones you know is when you cut through cut through the cut through the bullshit um and because then i think that that's the moment when the sense of uh i think and correct me if you or i'm curious to get your thoughts on this but vulnerability or, or trust comes from being able to to be vulnerable and accept the vulnerability i think um but it's safe for a lot of people. Yeah. Safety. But do you think feeling that,
1: safe with somebody?
0: Do you think that feelings, because, you know, it, and it always kind of pains me when I hear uh, stories, whether it's friends or whoever else, where that's, they're struggling to, to really identify if they, if they feel safe or, or comfortable, do you think that is purely gut or purely intuition?
1: I think for a lot of people, when there's a lot of overthinking or second guessing or anything like that, that's insecurity. You don't trust yourself. So, of course, you're never going to be be able to trust other people. And until you process through your own, and that's where, again, we're getting really clear on, like, how do you want to feel with somebody? How do you want to feel when you're with them? So if it's safe then knowing that okay if i share something with you that's vulnerable what is vulnerability it's sharing a part of yourself that could potentially turn somebody else off and 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 send them running but by the way that they respond that's why it's so important to have these conversations like my boyfriend and i have really tough conversations a lot of the time and at the end of it sometimes we'll who, look at like, I've never felt both it depends okay. on like what the what the circumstances just curious, just curious. he is Totally. No, he is. He's a bit more avoidant. Like, you know, when I, I had my anxiety, he's, he's a bit more of an introvert, but he's incredibly communicative. Like, and he even said at the beginning, he was like, whoa, this is like, you are so communicative. So I really started that by when we'd leave, I was very open to be like, I had an incredible, like, so truth we we slept together on the first date. Mm-hmm. And when I left, I was like, I will never see this man again. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. You know, the do mentality. Do you think it they had, had, had
0: like, was it because of the fact that you slept on the first date?
1: Oh, yeah. I thought in my mind, like most girls of like, he's not going to respect me and he's not going to want me. And I remember then when we had our second date and I even told him, honestly, I was like, didn't think I was going to hear from you. And he was like, why? I said, well, because we were intimate. And that started that conversation of like, what does intimacy mean to you? And how did that affect you? And then, cool. Well, how do you know? I, I really enjoyed my time with you. I'm super excited that we could get together again. And we were just open about how we felt. And so after the dates, I had no problem just being like, hey, I really enjoy your company and I think you're really lovely. I'm super excited to see where this goes. And that allowed him to then be like, oh, wow, okay, it's safe for me to express myself because I didn't judge him. And I created a safe environment for when he shared things, I received it and I didn't jump down his throat and I didn't accuse him. I was like, hey, thank you so much for sharing. That really means a lot.
0: Is it is it easier or harder for you to apply some of the advice that you give others to your own dating life? I don't give life? advice
1: that I don't take. I don't uh, – everything I give, that's why I, I stand so tr- so firmly behind. And I think that's where the following has become is because I could – especially with the anxious folks, I can pinpoint exactly what your fucking thought process is. I know exactly where your head is going. I know exactly how you're feeling. I know exactly what's going on in your body. So when I give advice of like, hey, okay, you're feeling anxious about this. Try these three steps. People are, oh, my God, you saved me. It's like because I know what you're going through.
0: Well, I think like what's interesting too is – I, I think I'm one of those people that, and I'm and again, what I said earlier, I'm honored when my when my friends come to me for advice, but I just I just can't fucking take my own advice. Uh, I've gotten better at it. But I think like taking my own advice has definitely been a challenge at times. How do you what do you recommend for for me in order to to and it's not that I'm not self-aware in the moments, it's like I just think in general, it's always harder to take your own advice when when things are are more emotional and and are with regards to your life as opposed to somebody else's, just to remain objective always, when it comes to you.
1: Totally. And it's always easy to give other people advice. And then you're right. like, those who can't do teach. I'd be curious to hear what you're talking, if there's something specific that came to your mind of like, what was a circumstance that you told somebody, but you didn't take yourself?
0: Quite frankly, I think it's, it's uh, I think I have a very... I've been quite good at identifying uh, unhealthy behaviors in relationships for my friends, and then I think when it came to identifying some in my own, uh, not that I didn't see them, but more that I avoided addressing them. Um, and then now, and this is for a past relationship, and now in retrospect, I'm like, oh my god, how the f-? like, I duh, you know what I mean? Um, but in the moments, so much harder. You start. I guess if I had to say why I think that happened is you start, I started justifying, I started justifying. Right. And you start making excuses or like, Oh yeah, I heard about that happened in that relationship. Like this is, you know, with me, it's, it's not this, it's that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, with self-awareness also comes like, holding yourself accountable, like radical accountability is really fucking hot. And so if you're in something that it's like, Oh, well, you know, to you, yeah, that's super toxic. And to me, it's like, well, because to you, it's triggering something within you, there's a wound that's being activated within you. And so of course, and it's going to be to somebody else, they could look at that and be like, I would have walked away from that. But to you, perhaps that hit something really deep. Perhaps it's something that when you were a kid, that you experienced that with your caregivers, or you saw your parents act in a certain way. And so for you now, that's a core belief that has now been instilled within you of like, Let's say something for an example of like speaking up, you know, and holding a boundary. You could look at someone else and be like, that's bullshit. You need to have a boundary here and you need to stand up for yourself and you need to tell them what it is. But for you, that might be really difficult because your limiting beliefs might be growing up. Like for me, I had a narcissistic father. We weren't able to set boundaries. I was not able to express myself. So as although I could see other people doing it, it wasn't until I addressed my own wounds and core and shit to say, what is causing me to not act in a way that is serving my highest self? where am I not being honest with myself about the work that I'm doing within my own shit to address? Is there a little me that needs me right now? Do I need to give myself this love and validation and acceptance that I'm so hard? I'm so seeking from somebody else. And it's being able to call yourself out on your shit because at the end of the day, yeah, we could all keep going and being like, whoop to do. I got a lot of people that don't take my fucking advice. And then they come back hurt and saying, Oh, but I just didn't see it. And it's like, the universe, you'll keep getting the same shit until you learn your lesson.
0: What aspects, like, how do you continuously do the work in terms of, um, you know, I guess, continuing to do the work in different aspects of giving relationship advice?
1: So for me, I think it's really important. I'm still in therapy every week, like with a badge of honor. I love, I love my therapist. I love being in therapy. Um, and I try different modalities. I've tried ketamine treatments to go deeper into my inner child's stuff i have like this really cool like vagus nerve activator thing and i meditate with it i make sure to prioritize my health and well-being so i do inner child meditations twice a week to reconnect with me i do courses that really help me to i'm doing now um a nervous system course to like learn more about that and how it affects our day-to-day and how you can you know identify it and i really start to also i get really into how i feel so excuse me for instance, like I was dysregulated the other day, my friend and I were talking about six month goals. And I was, um, I said, I wanted to like double the, do the work podcast, um, viewership. And I instantly like my shoulders went up, my chest started to get really tense. And I, I went to my phone to seek validation. I looked at analytics and I stopped myself and I was like, wait a minute. Okay. What is this trying to tell me? What is there? Some, there's something here that I'm, I'm not seeing. And it was like, ah, oh, okay. I started to really question. And I was like, what is causing this dysregulation? Okay, me telling myself I wanted a double was really hard for my nervous system to handle because it was just too much. And so I had to learn, okay, it's time to back off and it's time to explore where those limiting beliefs coming from. And so I utilize every aspect because my boyfriend still triggers me all the fucking time because he's a human and I'm a human and I have wounds and things that are going to come up. And so every time I get curious, I don't get angry about it. I don't get mad at myself. I don't put myself down. I look at this as, yay, where else can i explore and what else is here so that i can continue to dig deeper and show up as the best version of myself today better than i was yesterday
0: so if you had to boil down what what that really is in terms of in, in terms of what growth and maturity and quote doing the work really looks like is would you say it's asking yourself after a specific feeling is occurring or while it's occurring why do i feel like that and like how like because i think you know when people say and this is what what kind of drives me crazy all the time is like oh you know yeah i'll work on that i'll work on that and you don't really know yeah. they don't even they don't even know what that looks like right I, I i think i'm i'm guilty of this at times as well um what what does it look like in your eyes
1: so what to me it's really about where did where did you learn this from where is the root cause coming from because if you're constantly triggered or you're dysregulated all the time or like let's say you know is if i don't know if you have an example specifically of something that could be that i could utilize but if there I, I have is one a pattern, i have one if yeah, if you please. want okay. uh, like like what? let's
0: say uh you have a situation where you're talking to someone like i've ha- i've had this multiple times i think it, throughout my life really is you're talking to someone and let's say texting or calling or whatever it might be and and they're not they're not answering as quickly or the way that you would like, hypothetically, then it create it has in the past created a level of anxiety or being on edge or whatever it might be, right? And I think for me over time, and, and I, I can also share after how I've gotten better at that, but I think over time, you realize that, that like, what you're saying in the beginning has nothing to do with them and everything to do with you. Um, so for me, the way that I got better at that was to, when I found, found myself being on edge because of that, to like, just take a step back and my outlet was just, you know, working, working in general was like, you know, distract yourself with, with not distract, but like do your, do work, work because that's like your passion and, and, uh, and a good way to, to not think about being, I don't know if that's maybe me being avoidant, but is Uh, yeah but like i think for me it was just real it was just it was just having a more raw honest conversation with myself that like understanding that this is a irrational thought that i'm having and instead of just sitting there continuously being irrational try to think of a rational tangible way of being better at handling this thought and i think over time that then couples and develops into an actual behavior trait, which is, I don't care that they're not responding. It's okay. It doesn't, it has nothing to do with you. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I think the biggest thing is to, is to avoid is like, we don't want to distract. It's not about, okay, when somebody texts, I'm just going to, like, I have clients and they're like, I just go to the gym. And it's like, and then what happens when you get home? Oh, I'm still anxious. It's like, because distracting is not going to help the issue. Right. What it is, is identifying and dysregulated. That's the first step of like, okay, you didn't get your text. You start to ruminate and all of a sudden, so the steps I literally, this is what I utilize every single fucking time I'm dysregulated. It goes quicker, 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 quicker. But it's okay, I'm dysregulated. Cool. I need to do something. So if you're more sympathetic, let's say, which is the fight or flight. So if you're more sympathetic where you feel like you have a lot of energy, anxiety is energy. So it's about moving it. So I'll like shake it out. You could do a little dance in your living room. You could punch a pillow. You could do some jumping jacks, whatever. You know, there's so many different dysregulation techniques that you can use to just at that the very least bring yourself back. And I equate it to when you're anxious and you're in rumination, you're at the edge of the cliff. We got to take you off the cliff to then start to work at this. The important thing is is to one, show compassion to ourselves, is think about it. There is a little Felix and a little Sabrina. There is a little six-year-old that's in there. And when you start to really visualize the way that you speak to yourself, you're speaking to that little kid. So if all your life, you were told you're not good enough and you're not worthy and you're not pretty and you're not this and that. So now when you're like, you fucking moron, I can't believe you're so hyper-focused on this shit. Or like, why can't you just stop? Why can't you just be better? Imagine a little kid being like, I'm sorry. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I messed up. I, I apologize. Now you are doing what everybody else did to you. Mm -hmm. So instead of blaming yourself and getting, beating it up, it's okay. Hey, this is my nervous system is trying to protect me from something. So it's dysregulated because there's something here. What is it trying to protect me from? What is so scary? Okay. They didn't text me. Great. So what's coming up for me? I feel like they're going to leave me. I feel like they don't really like me. Okay. So what is that saying about you though? Well, that they don't like me. Is that actually what it's saying about you? What about maybe that they're working? Okay. So if this is a, something, because then you can start to really get down if it's like, it's an abandonment. Ah, okay. And let me ask, and then I start to challenge myself and I'm like, what happens if you never heard from them again? Oh, well, I'd feel completely abandoned. It's like, yeah, but you'd be okay, right? Mm-hmm. I allow myself to feel And that's the biggest thing because, again, what you're doing is when you literally start to challenge your thoughts and and kind of play the back and forth of like the adult with the kid because the kid is the protective part of you that is like, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to keep you safe, which means your nervous system is going to get dysregulated when we see danger. And what the adult is doing is to come in and say, hey, thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate you having my back, but it's not necessary because I am here to say that's not a real threat. That mm. that person is working and that that is not a direct reflection of me. And if it does feel like it's a direct reflection of me, where did I learn it? Okay, when I was a kid, my dad would do this and this. And this. So then what I need to do is show up for me. Mm. What I need to do is let little me know, while I know that mom or dad used to do that, or you used to feel dismissed or you used to feel that, that's not, the, that's not the case here. And what I'm doing is I'm showing up for myself and saying, you know what, no matter what the outcome is, I'm going to be fine. And that. Is really how you can differentiate between, again, is this a real tiger? Is there actually a threat in front of you that you're being played or someone's being disrespectful? Or is this a narrative that I've created because I'm so terrified of being abandoned and rejected that I am now acting out in a way that doesn't really align with how I wanna feel?
0: Do you feel that a lot of these, uh, a lot of this advice, um, that there's a certain time early on in someone's life? that they should be opened up to, to hearing things like this?
1: Do you mean like, um, uh, where like, in their life this took place? Yeah.
0: Or no, like, it, do you feel like that, uh, the quality of relationships could be improved if say you started getting exposed to ideas and I guess this type of healthy behavior and communication at, you know, in your preteen years, I think a lot of the, the issues, too, is that we only people start only wanting to do the work when they hit that point of like a relationship. And usually, you know, that's in your late teens, early 20s. And at that point, you're de- obviously you're still developing, but it's uh, you're you, you already have a, a foundation. Do you think that there's a point that it could be more beneficial, like if this was talked about more in schools or uh, when you're more 12, 13, 14. So then you're not you're not playing catch up when you're 20, 25, 30.
1: So realistically speaking, the reason to attachment styles, what does that mean? It's just the way you attach to your caregivers. So when we say trauma, people are like, I had a perfect childhood. What are you talking about? It's like, no, we're not talking about big T's. We're not talking about about the real you know serious stuff we're talking about the perception of a situation 0 to 7 is egocentric age so whatever happens between 0 to 7 it is more dangerous for the kid to internalize to for the kid to think that their parents are dangerous and it's safer for them to internalize oh it must be me so like, for instance, your parents divorce when you're three and a lot of kids will grow up. Oh, it's, I, I'm not good enough because to them, it's instead of looking at it as my parents were doing their own thing, you are three. You can't cognitively understand that. So you have ingrained already. Oh, it's me. I wasn't good enough. My parents didn't like me. My mom wasn't there. And it could be even something as simple as like. My friend Masha, she was saying how she's like, I had great parents. They both worked a lot. And so she was like, whenever I'd express my my needs as a kid, they would dismiss me. And she's like, so what did I learn? Just keep them to yourself. It's not safe to express. By the time you're aware of this, it, oftentimes it comes out in relationships. Would it be great if all of our fucking parents put us into therapy as kids? Great. But realistically speaking, I don't think that there is a cognitive awareness of this until you are faced with something that triggers you to go, oh, there's a wound here I didn't understand or realize. And where does that usually come out? When you're dating and when you have one failed relationship after another, after another to go, wait a minute, there's gotta be something else here.
0: To, I love all that. Um, and, and quite frankly, I think I could I could talk for hours and ask you a trillion more questions, but in, for, for time's sake, do you, how do you continue, I guess, your own, um, and you mentioned some, some ways that you do your, your own personal growth and self-awareness, but in terms of a brand and, uh, business, and I guess just that personal development at every single level, how do you, how do you approach that? And, and do you ever think about, um, you know, how to get to where you want to be, or do you ever just try to stay more present in, in that, that day to day?
1: So because I'm super anxious and I've always been scared of the future, I have been practicing more to be more mindful and in the moment. So it's like, I have goals, but I am not going to hold myself to them as, oh, you're a failure if you didn't reach this. So for me, I'm really, I'm just taking it day by day. Like every day I wake up and I just kind of create the content that that day I feel resonates or I'll go live on TikTok and I'll see 20 people talking about the same thing. I'm like, there's an area of opportunity here. You guys need this. Great. Let me make it. And it's like, of course, there's some strategy. Like, I just signed with an agency and it's like, okay, cool. So, like, the, you know, do the work is growing and the, this is growing and that is growing. But even overall, it's really just how can I continue to show up as myself? And what can I do for myself that I can still also share with other people that is beneficial to growth? And just, and I think that's why this is all taking place is because I started the TikTok by talking about me and my boyfriend, tech guy. And I would just, share stories. And I think people started to relate of being like, oh, whoa, wait, you were able to like challenge your thoughts when you were doing this and move on from it. And it's real life application. So if we broke up tomorrow, I'd be able to share about that experience. And if we got married in a week, I'd be able to share about that. And I think just keeping it really authentic to me is how I plan to grow because I'm not going to censor myself. I'm not going to change myself and I'm not going to change the way I speak. I am always going to be myself unapologetically and I'm just kind of, I, all I have is right now. So I'm just going to keep living in that.
0: I love it. Um, Sabrina, thank you uh, for taking the time. Thank you for putting out honestly. And truly I'm not someone that uh, I try to stay as off as social media as much as I can in terms of just because it takes too much time, but I genuinely enjoy uh, consuming your content. So I I thank you for that. Um, Where can people find you other than do the work podcast? software on Instagram or we are software, I believe is the, is your clothing brand on Instagram. where software, Wear software yeah. excuse We're me. Software. Um, yeah. I okay. can't read. Um, and, uh, where else can people find you if they want to get in touch or book any type of coaching or any type of business? This is the time to uh, let people know.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So Sabrina.Zohar on Instagram or TikTok, there's a stand store on my link. So you could always book that, ask a question, book a one-on-one, do the work is on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon. And yeah, I mean, it's all the kind of the same social handles and where So pretty much if you chap into anything, you'll get me. So Beautiful. that's the fun and exciting part of being small business, but thank well, you so much for having me. And I'm so grateful that I got to be able to share this with you.
0: Yes, for sure. And uh, you'll have to let me know next time you're in New York and uh, we'll have a little bit more time in, in studio.
1: Oh, fuck. Yeah. A part two coming, coming our way. I just need to get over the East coast.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Sabrina.